Hey, I'm Serge. And I'm Peter. And you're listening to Future Break. Hello, my comrades. Welcome to the episode today, where we talk about Russia and the future of digital free speech. We are happy to have you here because it's a great place. Very good place, Yes. Sorry, everyone. Serge had to step out today. I'm filling in for Serge. My name is Boris. And I've been very compliant in all of this, so... uh... (laughs) All right, I'm back. (laughs) Well, as as we mentioned, we are talking about Russia. And... More specifically, some of the free speech stuff that's been going on uh, recently. Absolutely. And some other hacky stuff. I don't know. Here, here, let, let's, just, let's just play this out a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's just give this... Let's just let it swell for a little bit. How glorious is this song? I just want to get up and march, Peter. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Sorry, everyone. I... Just had to do that. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm looking at a hammer and sickle right now. <laughs> oh man, 1980s babies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Once again, true. everyone. Tidbit: If you have not listened to the first episode, you, you might actually want to listen to that just to just to understand that the one of the reasons why Serge and I got together on a podcast to to talk about future emerging technology human behavior, and I guess, like I said, and what this all means for the future, is um, Serge grew up, he was born in Ukraine in, in 1985. True. Yes. I was born in North Dakota in 1985. Serge was born on the other side of the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. and I was born in the state with missiles pointed at Russia. So That's true, yes. Yeah, there's the um, missile silos. There were missile demonstrations <laughs> back in the day in North yes. Dakota. Anyways, so this is, I don't know. I feel like this is almost one of those episodes that's like coming full circle just a little it, bit. It totally is. A little bit I think here, so. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I was actually born in Ukraine, which was part of the Soviet Union. So, you know, we, we Ukrainians are very proud of our heritage. So right. We, we don't like to say that we're Russian. No, you don't. We like to say that we were Ukrainian. I know. I in Ukraine, especially Ukraine, man, you do not want to say you're. Yeah, yeah especially now after the whole Oof. the war and all that stuff. Anyways, that's that's a continued. That's conflict. another thing. Yes, um, but we're super glad that you're that you're on. Sorry for this little longer intro, but um, yeah. So we are uh, going to be talking about, like I said, Russia, uh, digital speech. Uh, we're we're also just a just a heads up that we are um, now part of the Podglomerate Network, Absolutely. and we're super excited about that. Yeah, There's a lot of great shows on there. Uh, we got a shout out for our show later in the episode, so uh, stick around to that. But um, Peter, I think it's time for the future newsflash. Indeed. All right. So, tech news. Yeah, future newsflash. Disney is ditching Netflix in 2019, and they are starting their own new uh, streaming service. Yes. So all of our shows that you love, a lot of them at least, might be gone from Netflix. I was just, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and I'll just, I'll just add to that. We personally have a listener, yeah. actually, who works for the company that Disney 
became a major shareholder of. So basically, well, who knows what he will be working on in the yeah. future. But uh, yeah, he's going to be part of that group that's transitioning. So maybe we'll find out some more information down the road on that. So Yep. A little bit of tension there with the streaming stuff, but we'll Indeed. see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, CRISPR. We've talked about this in the past. We always yep. recommend you go back and listen to some of those previous episodes about CRISPR. I one of our highest viewed or listened to episodes. Okay, just break, just get it out there. We've used it on a human now. Yep. And just to make sure you understand, CRISPR is the gene editing tool that allows doctors or scientists, whoever you want to look at it, just to go in there and edit specific, find genes inside cells, yeah. cut it out, and replace it with what they want. Yeah, and this was done um, to kind of remove a heart disease type situation uh, very recently on uh, on like a you know like an embryo like beginning yeah. stage. So, and I think the news really is it was done in the U.S., which is right again. China's probably I think China's already done something like this, but this is the first time in the U.S. that it's been done. Right. So, expect to see more of that. I, think. I know. <laughs> Anyways, ethical conclusions down the road. We'll talk about that some other time again. Absolutely. Tesla officially launched the Model 3. Um, they had an event, uh, I think it was last week sometime, where they sent out the first 30 buyers, which were all basically Tesla employees anyways, but they um, delivered the cars to them at this event. And... Uh, Interest is skyrocketing. I mean, sixteen hundred new reservations per day. Uh, oh, my as of right word. now. I mean, that's nothing compared to like Ford, but that's for an electric car. That's that's pretty good. Don't they already have a bunch of reservations? Yeah, they had like three hundred thousand plus. Yeah, so. already. So that's going to ramp up. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, Facebook. And the AI that actually had to get shut down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we almost created a little thing on this, but we held off and we're glad we did. But long story short, Facebook created this AI tool that actually created its own language and started talking to other machines in its own language. And in a way that kind of freaked, well, it freaked a lot of people out. It freaked us out a little bit too, even. Absolutely. It was like it had made a leap that we weren't expecting. And imagine a machine communicating with other machines in a way that people didn't know how it was communicated. Yeah. Like in a language that none of us know. Yeah. Um, that's basically, in essence, what was going on there. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time. I will say this. It's maybe not as scary as it sounds. We've done mm-hmm. some more studying on that. At the same time, it still brings up the, mm-hmm. the notion that, well, things aren't always as they seem as like oh we're just creating uh, some ai oh my word it's creating the language of its own right right that's worth and that's the news yeah all right russia russia so what prompted us to talk about this peter i think we were debating some show ideas and and this one kind of again landed in our lap right um (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was nothing to want to talk about the political news story that surrounds everything in the U.S. necessarily. Um, however, what kind of came out was, at least for me, VPN. Yeah. Virtual private networks. 
Russia is saying you can't use them anymore. Right. After September, October? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Of this year. And there's an election next year in Russia. Election in quotes. Let's right. just say that. Election and so you might say, quotes. well, what's that got to do with the election? Yeah. And help yeah. me out, man. What is a VPN? Well, yeah. So a VPN, um, there's a couple things. Basically, it's called a vir- virtual private network. Um, so it's a service that allows you to connect to the internet uh, via a server running by some other provider. So maybe somebody in Switzerland or Sweden or whatever. Um, and so all the data traveling between your computer or phone um, is using the VPN server securely. So as a result, you get a couple couple benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is privacy. I mean, and again, we talk about privacy all the time here. Um, so your ISP, your Comcast or Midco or whatever, can't know where you're going on the internet. Um, it allows you to evade censorship. Uh, <laughs> did you ever use VPNs at school? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but this was the this, this is, would this allow you to like watch movies during yeah class? Okay. this so back back in the day like this is <clears throat> what early nine early two thousands I think okay um our school computers were super locked down you right, couldn't, you totally. couldn't access MySpace or whatever the cool thing was so a lot of people actually just figured out that they can use VPNs really and they were yeah they were logging in. Using VPNs to bypass um, the school security. So uh, essentially, what they did was they it, it allows you to uh, geo spoof is what the term is um, your location, and what that means is basically says, "Hey, this user is in you know the European Union or is in Mexico when you're sitting in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or wherever you're at." So. Um, another people, another reason people like it is, let's say you are an expat, you're living in, uh, England, for example, and you can't get access to the Netflix shows that you want. Right. So you can actually go on a US based VPN. It basically shows and geo spoofs you as from US, and then it shows you the Netflix shows that you want. I've, I've heard of, I've heard of. Well, U.S. residents that live overseas doing that, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of benefits um, to this tech, um, and so what Russia is trying to do is really start clamping down on on the use of VPNs, um, and they're actually, I think, reading the law or reading the uh, stories about the law here. What they're trying to do is say, okay, VPNs are not technically there it's going to be impossible let's just say to remove all vpns that's just not going to happen right right? there's so many of them out there they just can't turn off all vpns but what they're trying to do is force any vpn or any provider to block certain sites which is again censorship so saying like oh you can't access this site or whatever even with a vpn on which again that you know, that is aimed at the opposition, I think. Right. Um, you know, Russia's political background and kind of their current situation right now is very authoritarian, very heavy-handed, very state-run. Agreed. You know, all, all things basically go through the state. 
And so political opposition leaders, they have no choice, but they have to use VPNs. They have to use all kinds of back backwards methods to get their content out there, you know? And so this affects a lot of, this affects a lot of people, not, not even just opposition leaders, but, you know, people trying to use, for example, LinkedIn. Did you know that LinkedIn is blocked in Russia? I did not know that. <laughs> LinkedIn is blocked because Russia passed a law that says if you want your app or your website to be viewed and you know accessed in Russia, you have to host it in Russia. You have to basically have servers oh, yeah. physically in Russia. And then you have to keep the data for six months. Mm-hmm. And that data should and has to be accessible to the government. Right, exactly. <laughs> Where do we start with this one here, Peter? Well, I, I guess know. I don't have, I haven't had any pings on LinkedIn for my Ru- for Russian connection. <laughs> From your comrades in Russia. Um, ah, that's. It's a touchy subject, isn't it? It, it it is, and it's and it's it's a very sad, yeah, um, sad subject. And okay, and let's, as we like to do in the show, as you listen to the last one, which I highly recommend, net neutrality. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, let's play a little devil's advocate again. Okay, here. okay. Um, one thing you have to realize is an argument that could be used to take for the removal of VPNs. Once mm-hmm. again, I'm not saying I am for this. Actually, I am not for this, but I'll just play devil's advocate. Okay. Because I th- there is a level, there is a deep truth of this. Terrorism. You know, or, or, I mean, or people who wish to do harm to the country. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Um, I mean, there's some legitimate, legitimate concern of, listen, a virtual VPN will allow people to, to talk and discuss and enact their plans. And... uh I mean, just in today's technology, you know, back in the day, you might have to meet and mm-hmm. and work together, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have this plan set in motion, and you go. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a VPN could allow you to communicate at any given time, anywhere, at any certain point in time. Pretty much, just, yeah. And allow you to act and make decisions on the spot, on the fly together. So um, there's a level of, like... Yeah. And a very secretive communication device, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and that, and I can, and, and obviously that can be used for good and that can be used for, for bad. Yeah. It's a yeah. tool. It's, so it's, I completely understand the concept of a move to do this to yeah. put down terrorism. And, and for what it's worth, and maybe this is something we will find more about later down the road, but I've just never heard a lot of terrorism issues inside Russia. Maybe I'm there, wrong on that. Yeah, there definitely are. I mean, I'm sure there are. Like Chechnya, you know, that whole oh, thing yeah. down there, down down south in, in Russia. And, um, you know, there's definitely there's definitely terrorist <coughs> issues in Russia. Uh, we definitely don't hear a huge amount of them um, from, like, you know, news sources. I think there wasn't there a terrorist attack. I think there was one last year. Oh, not, yes. That's if right. I'm not mistaken, there was one in the subway, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. That's right. I remember that now. So, yeah. um, 
but okay, kind of going down your 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 thought here. Yeah, the same terrorists that use VPNs, um, the same VPNs that are used by terrorists are used by the opposition, right? To Putin and to that regime. Yeah. So, like, you know, the the one the one big guy that comes to mind is Alexander Navalny. Um, this guy, like, oh my gosh, he he organized he organized protests in Russia. Yeah. I mean, police started cracking down on him. They started smearing him and trying to um, legally bar him from running against Putin. You know, and the they're doing so many things and, and and I know that he and his team they're I mean they're being watched 24/7 but he's got to get his message out there somewhere and so they they have to use unconventional means to communicate with their you know with their followers yeah with their followers um another thought is like business people you know again let's say you're an american business person living in Russia, you have trade secrets or something. You have, you know, you are commenting on your company's chat app. You're going to want to run that through a VPN in Russia. <laughs> you know, you definitely don't want the the state to be snooping on you because that happens all the time. Right. And so this is where I think... um this is a a shift that keeps moving and that keeps moving the uh, kind of the, I guess, I don't know how to say this, keeps moving the, the direction of um, the internet in the wrong way in Russia. Well, I guess you could say it, it oh, to go back to kind of, concept of free speech it's removing the ability for people to really at the very least openly say what they want to say yeah uh, without fear of reprisal and i'm not saying the u.s is perfect at this either to be truthful oh we spy on our own people all the time right but but the concept of free speech is is something well i know something you and i both are very passionate about yeah um um but it's one of those things that Listen, you can even be, you know, somebody I completely disagree with. Yeah. But I still believe in your right to... Yeah, uh, to, to post whatever. To post whatever. Yeah. Um, because I don't want the alternative of that. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, anyways, go for it. Yeah, I, I mean, the this law, I think, is basically undermining the original intent or the the purpose of what the internet is the internet's supposed to be a decentralized there's no borders you can access it in you know <laughs> the same internet should be accessible in thailand as it is in alaska as it is in you know scotland right for example right russia is going down a path that they are localizing their version of the internet that's true right yeah and so what they're doing is they're creating these copycat apps you know facebook is now 
What is There's it? one called Vkontakte, which means in contact. Like you're going to stay in contact with somebody. That's kind of the, the meaning of that. Fun fact on that. Uh, <laughs> I watched a uh, really interesting, and I think we might link up to it. It's uh, <clears throat> Ashley Vance. Okay. He's a journalist from Bloomberg. Yeah. Um, he visited Russia and he had a like 40 minute or so documentary on the internet and kind of the the Russian tech scene, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he may, <laughs> he met with a guy, the CEO of Mail.ru Group, which is like, Mail.ru is like, basically russia's version of gmail yeah right yep yep and they started off with that and then they, they bought a whole bunch of tech companies they actually owned Vkontakte. so the <laughs> this is a long story but the original founder of Vkontakte was ousted from the company because he didn't want to comply with the server laws or whatever he's in self-imposed exile now okay then this mail in russia in somewhere else Somewhere outside of Russia, yeah. I think. Okay. That's, I figured exile would mean somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just wanted, I just want I just uh, wanted to clarify though. I mean I don't know. Place, you know self imposed <laughs> exile. Well, is he in some part of the you know yeah. the step somewhere out there? Well, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Um and then they have um uh, Rue took over this Kentucky, which is huge, just massive. Yeah. You know, it's a massive platform, right? Um and then recently, that group, the, the CEO of that group was fired. And guess who took over Kentucky? He is the son of like one of the high, you know, tech um, broadcast ministers of Russia. So again, no nepotism there, right? None. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> oh, boy. So this kind of stuff, it's, it's happening. Right, and they're building out this infrastructure with all these apps. You know, you've you've got so many clones out there for what we have here. The Google equivalent is Yandex. Yandex, yeah. Which I have a a Yandex like attachment for my phone. No, yeah. don't worry. It's not like a like it's just like a sticker or something like that. But okay, yeah. I mean, I've it's one of those things. It's it's not cool. And like you said, I think I think we should talk about this. Is the localization of the internet inside a country? Yeah. Yeah, that that is. I mean, honestly, what they're doing is they're creating an intranet for the country, right? Not an internet; it's an intranet. Right. It's an internal, like you know, like back in the day, you'd log into a corporate section and you'd be in this intranet of yeah. the company. Itself. And you can only access these areas. These, to these it. areas. That's yeah. that's a good point because that's that sounds like exactly what's happening, right? And you know what? I I want I want to even give some of these people maybe somewhat the benefit of the doubt, just to just to showcase the fact that listen, maybe there's some things here that we don't completely understand everything about. Sure, but I think overall we would say this is this we would never we we would not support this um, in in the United States. I I mean that we can't imagine the backlash. The VPN ban. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Or just to. The localization, well, who am I kidding? The servers for the internet are practically powered here in the United States yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. If you if you want to know if you want to know more about spine and servers in the United States, just just Google Edward Snowden. <laughs> who is that guy? 
who ironically is in Russia <laughs> exactly. right now. He's in Russia. He is in Russia. Which I mean it's it's a weird it's a weird That is place. weird. Okay. Um I heard a statistic that said in 2004 or, or something like that, Russia had 9% of its population on the internet. 9%. And now it's like it's almost everybody. Almost everyone has some kind of internet connection there. I mean, so that... Oh, really? Yeah. So that's... I mean, I remember back in the day in the US, we had America Online, right? We had... AOL. You know, so we've had we've had a huge percentage of Americans on the internet for a long time. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge jump. 2004 to now, they've had, you know, a huge increase in population using smartphones, internet, you know, all that stuff. And it's is this has this been a state run initiative though? I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's okay. it ha, it's mixed. That's mixed where that's bit. where it's always like it, it's always mixed. The line is gray. What line, line are we talking about? Because yeah. this is this is something where I think it would be very important to highlight. So we live in this in the middle of the country, mm-hmm. basically the United States. We live in the heartland, as they call it here in the United States. Okay, the internet has allowed us to to understand and and communicate with people on the east and west coast. Quite frankly, in the world, but let's just let's just talk about even here in the states. It's allowed us to get information and stuff like that very rapidly and everything like that. Yeah. This is this is internet one <clears throat> internet one hundred one. Right. Okay. Now let's go to Russia, bigger country, landmass wise, rural areas. Yeah. Now have an internet. Yep. And it is controlled. Yes. Right. Okay. Yep. And that is how they're getting their information. Right. It's a it's a it's a very different very, I mean the the converse of looking at a Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay, we're not really rural by the way. We don't consider ourselves we have, rural. We have we just recently got, you know, electricity a couple oh, of weeks good ago. Oh, grief, we? man. <laughs> Come on. Kidding. I just retired the buggy just recently. <sighs> For my Tesla, I'm kidding. I'm a Tesla, <laughs> um, but like some, some rural area in like the steppe in Russia, yeah. Is, their experience of getting the internet is is very different than ours. Is what you're kind of what I'm kind of getting yeah. the sense of. Yeah, I mean they, you know, they can access. They communicate. I mean, they can communicate with us, right? They, yeah, they can access. They can access a lot of stuff that we access. You know, you can. But again, it's heavily monitored. It's heavily um, there's a there's no reason for them to go to let's just say you know like BBC for example. Right. right? Let's pick a neutral ground here. BBC is the world's newspaper. Let's just say right. So there's no reason for them to go to the BBC for for their news because they have. Yandex, which is their search engine, which has a bunch of news on its own. Articles, yeah. And it aggregates articles from all these, you know, state sponsored news organizations. Just go so to Russia today. So it's it's creating the world's largest echo chamber. Interesting. Yeah. The news that comes there. Oof. Right? I Oof. I touched on something there, didn't I? The news oh, that comes man. there is circulating throughout <laughs> Russia itself because of stuff like this because there is no you know to a large extent free 
speech and free access to that speech, to that dissenting opinion, right? If I look, <laughs> what well, what you're telling me is 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 instead of like there was this big thing with like back in the day with the election here in the United States, there was man. You 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 saw articles that were very skewed to your political view. Absolutely, right. Your, your because feed. your engagement was based on that, and yeah. that's how what showed up in your feed. <laughs> so in your feed, you you know, let's say you're a Democrat, you you're saying, okay, Hillary's going to win, right? But I mean, there's just every sign points to it. Everything I'm reading is Hillary winning. On the converse, you're a Republican. Trump has it in the bag. Right. That's it. Like there's no. I mean, he's destroying her, right? Yeah, well, polls the, are looking good. Yeah. The, the truth was somewhere in the in between there, right? It was, yeah, it was not as clear cut as it should have it been, or as clear. as it was. Anyways, but that's what these echo chambers were. So now imagine a whole country in an echo chamber like that. Well, there's your 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 uh, differing opinions are just slight versions of one. <laughs> of yeah. one focus, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that is crazy. So, so okay. When, when the uh, the flight over Ukraine got bombed, we got bombed. Okay, shot down. Right, it was shot down by a Buk missile, which is insane. It it calculated the trajectory of a plane thirty five thousand feet in the air. And shot it down from the ground, which is just unbelievable. Just think through the logic. Think about writing the program that makes that missile actually function properly. Anyways, huge tragedy, right? Huge mess. And right away, you could you could tell that somebody really messed up. You know, and and of course, the Russian side is was blaming the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians are blaming the Russians. Um, you know, and, and so this is where the echo chamber is just magnified on Russian TV. You would have, you know, these former generals or former, you know, security experts go on TV and this, this was happening already a few weeks after the, the, the attack where the world saw the evidence that this is definitely, definitely the um, the rebels in Donbass, you know, in that region. Yeah, the rebel, that, the rebels that shot in this Ukraine. thing down, right? Yep. The rebels shot it down with ties to Russia. With ties to Russia that have that has supplied them this, you know, this tech, this missile thing, and it's 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 like you know ninety five percent clear at this point that it's them already. The whole world knows. But in Russia, you have, you know, people, like I said, going on TV and saying, well, you know, it's it's happening because of this. And, and it's it's possible that this, ha-, you know, and they are totally, completely over, you know, overworking this this theory. And they're, they're trying so hard to make these ridiculous theories try to stick. And this is what the Russian people, unfortunately, have to see and so when you're talking to somebody and i've had like i've had personal experiences where i'm talking to somebody you know that's russian yeah and of course you know you you support your country and blah 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 and all this and 
I'm like, you are caught up in the echo chamber too. Like you're actually defending that. I've that that I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've had, yeah, I've I've heard that from some people in the in the not live in Russia, but live outside of Russia. Yeah, they live here, and they and they say that when they you know, they, and once again they they have good friends in Russia and everything like mm-hmm. that. They said it's just when it comes to like news and politics, it's like whoa. I, yeah. No, I I would not I would not say that's correct or something like that type of thing. Yeah. That they that it's very it's a very different view than what the West has. Yeah, and and it's it's definitely you know propagated by the the state. It's pro- which, by the way, if you want to see, and you and let's say even say, okay, Peter Serge, you're wrong on some of this stuff. Which we might be. We, which we might be. Yeah. Okay, guess what? We can get that information because we live in a world where there's multiple sources, yep. and quite frankly, there is Russia today. You can go on YouTube right now. I think I used, to, and you can you can watch live streams mm-hmm. of the CNN version of Russia Today for the West, mm-hmm. and get that information. So you can get that viewpoint here. Absolutely. This is not. This is not like we don't we don't even take that. And quite frankly, I've watched it sometimes. So and, and I'm and. and I think there's some legit valid points in some of this stuff. So, and I think, I mean, okay, growing up in America and 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 kind of growing up in Russia or Ukraine, um, we as Americans we look at the news differently, right? Especially nowadays, especially with the rise of you know all you know fake sources and fake news from different the rise of the the podcast and the mic. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, you see these, like, we've, we've, I think we've always, there was always a level of trust, mm-hmm. but it was always like trust, but verify kind of a deal mm-hmm. where you've, you've always, especially in the recently, you've always had access to many sources, to many perspectives of the same issue. And that's, that's totally great. I love that. I'll like, say. I'm not, I'm not exclusively one. You know, I don't go to exclusively CNN or Fox News or whatever. You know, I, right. I look around because I'm exactly. like, you know what? What's what's this side? How is this side, you know, what perspective are they focusing on? Or how is the, you know, call it spin, whatever. How's the spin on this side? You can you can easily, clearly see that. And And in Russia, the news has always been like, this is what the state says. This is this is like gospel truth. <laughs> like I said, you know? and like I said, the different versions are still down the same, probably the same avenue overall, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all approved. Like this is what you're going to talk about. This 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 missile, you know, shot down the plane. This is how you guys are going to spin that story. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> So, side note, I feel like just because we're talking about Russia, we, we just have to give a plug to uh, Hardcore History Yeah, with Dan Carlin. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin, Ghosts, Ghosts of the Oz Front. If you want to learn a little bit more about Russia's history, especially in the 20th century, 
highly recommend that. Um, and uh, and that, and that's something I think we. I don't know because let, let's just take a moment here to quickly point out. Sure, I don't. I have, in many ways, more and more, I've had some massive respect for Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is actually from Dan Carlin's podcast, Ghost of the Oz Front. Um, one thing that I think we maybe don't credit enough is in uh, the historical versions of, of, of our past is with the West and Europe and everything like that. Russia was... Um, if not the most important player of World War II that ended up kind of changing the tide of everything. Don't get me wrong, post that was the Cold War and everything like that. Yeah. That started, yeah. started putting things into motion. But um, So I want to be very clear. We're, we're not... Yeah, we're not dogging on Russia. We're not trying to, you sure. know, this is, this is something that just, we are we're very big free speech people and this is why this has come to our forefront of our yeah. mind, so... I mean, to kind of follow that, I, Russia has some of the most ingenuitive, ingen, is that a word? <laughs> ingenuitive, ingenious um, people that, you know, they are just so, so incredibly smart. They right. have, you know, a lot of our meta, a lot of our marvels of, modern science and engineering and all that stuff come from people with Russian descent or from Russia itself. Um, the periodic table was organized by a Russian guy, right? That's huge. That's, that's kind of huge. The, the, the Kalashnikov. The, you know, yeah. AK 47 <laughs> Kalashnikov. Yeah. So you've got, you've got some incredibly smart people. And I think why, Russia keeps producing so much brain power is their focus on math and engineering. Mm. It's just it it blows the focus on the US away in you some so? in some regards, yeah. you know. And so that's why they have these incredibly smart um people that are working on, you know, nuclear research and that's why Russia was such a dominant player. We, they were going toe to toe with with the US and the West. I mean, not just the U.S., but the West in general, right? Oh, right. Um, By the in way, the, in the most space recent race. episode of Hardcore History will help explain all that, Dan Carlin. Yes, anyway. definitely. Yeah, definitely check that one out. It's, oh. it's good. Um, so um, one, kind of, uh, one kind of thing I wanted to <laughs> talk about, which mm-hmm. we were talking about the, the conflict in Ukraine. Um, this story came about this is a 2016 story late last year. Um, and this is, this is kind of crazy. And this talks a little bit about warfare, um, and how the, the tech being used in warfare is so different than even 10 years ago. Right. Um, so Russia, so there's this Ukrainian, um, general or Ukrainian, a military commander that that created this app um which essentially helped them to uh process targeting data for a a weapon called the D30 howitzer so it's like a missile shooting um weapon mm-hmm. Russia was able to copy that Android app 
and then through like not through the Android store, but through um, forums that Russian or the Ukrainian military would visit, um, they would actually put that app out there, and it's a cracked version of that app. So when they was downloaded, guess who's in there? No joke, right? And guess what they guess what they now know the position of all the howitzers. And so... Oh, my word. 80% of the D30 howitzers were lost. Far more than any other piece of Ukrainian artillery. Because of the app. (laughs) This is... This is... I mean, this is some some mind-blowing stuff because, again... The warfare is changing, right? Yeah. You're using smartphones now in the war. And soldiers have, I mean, they're, it's you're not on a, especially like this regional kind of a conflict, you're not in the desert somewhere, right? You're, you're defending your home. There's still self-service. There's still kind of the modern, modern amenities, right? And so... The ability for them to even do that, to, like, hijack this app, that just, oh, man. There's a new level of warfare, you know, with the cyber, the cyber warfare. Right. And so th- this one this one just really kind of stuck out to me as, yeah, they, they've got some really incredibly smart people that are working to undermine freedom. <laughs> I mean that. What, what else do you call it? Uh yeah. I mean that was a military play, but obviously that would allow for other now concepts. Yeah, yeah. So would America do something like this? Well, let me bring that. Up. Let me let me bring that up. So, um, Stuxnet. Okay. Did you ever hear about this? I did. You did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's never been confirmed absolutely but stuxnet was a worm Mm -hmm. that lived inside windows that was created and it was just (laughs) there was a guy at microsoft who was just who was dedicated to understanding to study this it just would hang back there (laughs) just in the back just hang out in the file system in the file system just hang out and it was and it was uh thought to have uh really been a part of the um, U.S. and Israel uh, working together against, I believe, Iran mm-hmm. was at least one of the targets. Um, but, like, it, the thing is, is that it infected um, at least as Ars Technica would say over 100,000 computers. I think it was even more than that. Um, and there was, there was some patch things that came up that were put out to help correct this. Yeah. But the thing is, is even last year, it still was affecting things. Really? If you don't upgrade your software, you're still vulnerable for this. And, and ironically, I feel like maybe that's even a little bit what happened with Android. And you, I don't know that, but like if you, Android is very, very segmented. Very fragmented. Very fragmented as far as what version you have. And, like, if you infect it one and it's connected to all of them, does it matter at that point in time if all the other ones are updated? I don't know. I mean, this this is stuff I don't I don't know the details of. I readily admit that. 
But this is, I believe this is the concept with that. Um, the difference is, is this worm was actually more like a manual input where it's a booby-trapped USB. Oh, okay. That you stick okay. into the computer and then it like injects itself. And quite frankly, it doesn't need, even need to be read for it to inject itself into the computer, which I don't understand how that works, but... yeah. I think we'll have to do an episode on on uh, computer viruses because there's that other one um, that hacked the. Maybe I'm thinking about Stuxnet, which hacked the Iranian nuclear facility. I is that I Stuxnet? That's what it was, but oh man, maybe you got me. There's there's a there's been some definitely some exploits some with doozies <laughs> with this with this computer virus stuff. Um, so I think it'd be it'd be cool to do an episode on that. So. Um, Hashtag Mac. <laughs> but hey, public service announcement, everyone. Upgrade your software. Like, the day it comes out, upgrade it, please. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I I hate when people don't, you know, look at someone's computer. <laughs> I'm like, it's infected. If this was a human, you'd put it down, <laughs> you know? I would also say, just to make life a little bit more difficult for hackers uh also uh psa two-factor authentication yes it can be a pain and annoying but if you don't want your emails to become public knowledge things like that just yep just do that so anyway so where do we uh where what do you think is the the direction the future direction of you know, let's say the this internet in Russia, free speech in Russia, from your kind of outsider's perspective, um, what do you what do you feel? Like where's it going? Yeah, where, well, where I don't this? like where it's going. <laughs> um, I don't like where it is. Well. I find it very interesting that there's a, I mean, it was legislation that was mm-hmm. passed. So there's a hard date of uh, September of October. I can't remember which one. It's one of those two months. Which, wow, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. So the opposition party has a limited time to get stuff out. And secondly, to try to find a way around. And I don't know if there is one. This is where I don't know. I will say this though, resourcefulness is it's part of the DNA. It's part of the DNA. Russian Here, people, yeah. I always, I always liken it to this: the the siege weapon and the castle. Like back in the day, those two would just go toe to toe until yeah. eventually the siege weapon would, would win. But I kind of liken it to your little VPN world back in high school. <laughs> you can censor things. And somebody finds a way to get around it in some capacity. Totally. And that will always be the struggle. The only problem is, is that was a school. This is a whole country with dedicated personnel and yeah. spending up the, you know, capabilities and resources that that the, the the civilian population does not have. So Exactly. So that's that is concerning to me. Yeah. Um I would I would definitely um kind of echo that i would say that russia is increasingly moving into a localized internet and 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one day a law is passed that says, you know, basically the internet means these Russian-based companies. That's it. You have no access to the outside. Right. They can try that. I don't know how successful it would be, but I would not be surprised if that kind of a law um, gets approved by, you know, quote unquote, approved by the. If you like to have a world economy, the lawmakers would be very difficult, but it would. But knowing the direction and seeing these things like this, this VPN issue, I mean, they're using the guise of they're using terrorism. It's, yeah, it's it's the it's the age old trade off. Right? That's true. <laughs> Give us a little bit of your freedom and we'll make sure that you're secure. When you give freedom away, unfortunately, security never usually comes with that. Well, and and we can even look at our own country for that. Absolutely. That, that's could, exactly you, what you I'm could, talking about. <laughs> I mean, you could say... And it's, it's hard. I mean, as Americans... When 9-11 happened, it freaked us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got we got ticked and mad, and we didn't want it to ever happen again. Right. And we don't want it to happen again. But I f- is that, isn't that what passed the Patriot Act? Yeah. Yeah. Which ensued what Ed- Edward Snowden right. discovered, right? Yep. And it was such a, you know, overwhelming support and just like, let's just do this and let's get this thing going. That, uh, and, and, and it's one of those things where, what do you do? I mean, I, I understand there's a conflict here, but I don't think the answer is to shut down, like, the spread of, spread of ideas. Um, that's where it gets a little dangerous in my book. Um, and maybe someday I will be proven wrong on this, but I don't think so, uh, you need to be able for information to flow freely yeah. so that you can allow people to understand things. Quite frankly, it was because of information flowing freely that when, you know, like the communist, I think, push forward in the, in the States back in the, what, the 60s and 70s, I can't remember. And then the information came about what Stalin was doing to his people. Mm-hmm. Really, when that information finally came out, that really all of a sudden just challenged that movement and the people that were part of that movement. Yeah. Hardcore. And if you don't have that information free-flowing, you can't be challenged. I can't be challenged on my views if I don't have, if I can't get access to the other side's view. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I need that. I understand. I even need that in my life so I can, I can be a better informed person and make better decisions for the future of not only the country at more of a local level of like my family and my yeah. community and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's coming down to where you don't, you don't want to come to an issue that's your mind is already made up. You, you know, you know, to me at least that's how I like to approach things. I don't right. want to be made up on, on anything until I find my research and, and, you know, go through all the stuff that, uh, that helps us understand the issue clearly. So. Right. Good chat, Peter. Good chat, man. <laughs> Um, I think we'll be hearing more Russia stories in the news. Absolutely. Definitely. But um, 
If you guys want to stay up to date with us, um, we highly recommend that you check out um, our website, futurebreak.net. Uh, we're also on Future Break Pod uh, on Twitter and Apple Podcast and Spotify. Yep. So please check us out. A lot of uh, a lot of places where you can find us. Um, again, we're kind of dabbling with with blogging a little bit more, and so that's been fun. We'll, we'll do some more blog posts, I think. Absolutely. But uh, all right, and we would like to do a quick pause here and do a huge plug to our fellow podcaster. Yes, podcasting group, the Podglomerate, and specifically the Feast. Yes, I, I heard the I heard the show. Uh, the, so the feast is a is a show that talks about um, kind of food from the different time periods and just just a really interesting show about food, um, kind of historical things like that. And so right. this season two just came out recently, and um, Laura was talking about space food, and I, I was like loving that episode. It was awesome. Which ironically, she talks a little bit about Russia. In there she too, does. <laughs> yeah. And I did. I had no idea that. I mean, like for example, the you know the South Koreans developed their own space friendly kimchi, really, which is a fermented cabbage. Yeah, you know, thing. So there's there's a lot of really cool, interesting things on um, on that episode in particular. But definitely check out the feast. And you know, it's it's part of the Pondglomerate Network, and we're really enjoying shows like that. Um, Here we go. Here's a little plug for them, too. So, Host of the Feast Podcast, where we dig deep into the great meals that made history. Our new season has just launched with a first episode that uncovers the myths of space food, from freeze-dried ice cream to tang. Don't miss a meal. Subscribe today to The Feast on Apple Podcasts or wherever good podcasts can be found. Yeah, so that's the feast. Uh, definitely highly recommend you guys check it out. Absolutely. And again, thanks for sticking around with us. Um, a little bit longer episode, but I think it was really great discussion. And uh, let us know if you guys ever want us to, you know, talk about certain issues or, um, you know, stuff that, that maybe interests you. We we always love input and feedback. And, uh, you know, we'll try to shout it out on the show. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, until next time, right? Until next time, everybody. Have a magical day. Cheers. We'll talk to you later. Bye.